The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Hi there, you're listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm Janine. This is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Joining me, standing by, are two special guests, Sean Catherine Kane and Iris McKelpin. They are part of the film Pro Anna. I know Sean has uh, written it and she's starring in it and it's directed by Ward Roberts. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome them both to the show. Hi there. <laughs> no worries. Good morning. Hi. We're on. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Tell me about, I know, Sean, you, you wrote this film and you starred in this film. Uh, how did this all come about? Well, I had been wanting to, um, I, I'd had a story percolating for a little while um, about a, a young woman struggling with um, inner demons. And in mm-hmm. talking with Iris McAlpin, who's here with us, yes. um, mm-hmm. About her social media campaign, The Power Within, uh, which created a forum, a safe place for people in recovery to share their tips and their, and their daily, daily struggles with body dysmorphia and disordered eating. In talking with her about that campaign, I started to formulate a story um, in which a young woman was struggling with those issues. But I had wanted to, whenever, whenever I am going to be in a project or I'm writing something that that I see me in, then I yeah. sort of start thinking about how I would approach th- these issues. Sure. And I would have a, a very practical approach and try to do it right, yeah. <laughs> for lack of a better word. And so um, I started talking with Iris about that, and she directed me to, um, well, she informed me that there actually is an existing subculture of body dysmorphics and disordered eaters who do have a code and do try to live by certain rules and um, doctrine, for, to put it another way. Yes. And uh, that led me down the path of researching the pro-Anna subculture. And then I wanted to come to it from a story of strength of, of someone who wanted to overcome these inner demons and these outer, mm-hmm. the outer enablers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's how pro-Anna came about. And it's really interesting. I'd never heard of Proana as far as the subculture and, and the, there's a whole creed. Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, Iris, do you want to take this one? Yeah, sure. So um, so it's, it's, it's definitely a very real phenomenon and um, in a society where thinness is glorified, a lot of young women, and increasingly more and more young men, are very enticed by this idea of um, being, you know, extremely thin. Yes. And so pro-Anna culture came about, basically, um, it started with young women sort of teaming up in, in groups, sometimes in pairs. They call them, like, Anna buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically inspire each other and, like, hold each other to account in their pursuit of 
starvation. Mm. And so it's it's sort of a bizarre phenomenon in that it you know it it bears resemblance to like a support group or right, like right. you know the the way it's structured is very much um, the way a lot of like very positive things are structured, but they're using that same format to yeah. perpetuate um, very serious illness. Right. Right. It's a it's a twisted familiar twisted language of motivation and self empowerment and, and being used instead for self destruction and mm-hmm. uh, deg- degradation mm-hmm. and the a lot of the information in the film is taken directly from readily available online sources uh, tumblers and blogs that are obviously communicating with each other because there's a uniform set of of beliefs that are perpetuated and are exactly the same from website to website. And one of those is the Anna Creed, and uh, we have an abbreviated form of it in, in Pro-Anna, the film, and um, one, of the, one of the lines of salvation through starvation. Mm. And so they're using uh, triggering positive words uh, coupled with right. negative words. I, I put it yeah. on my blog. I, I have a couple lines. I believe in control. I believe in perfection mm-hmm. and strive to attain it. I believe in mm-hmm. salvation through starvation. I believe in hell because I sometimes think that I'm living in it. Mm-hmm. Really heavy duty. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, a group that supports you being an alcoholic. You know, it's like... Oh, you yeah. Know, you know. Uh, yeah. We, we, from the research that we've done, um, we've got, we have seen that body dysmorphia is categorized as a mental illness and disordered eating is very much an addiction and it is a pursuit of control um, and the peace that you get from indulging in disordered eating is very similar to an alcoholic who indulges in alcohol. The peace that they get from feeding that desire, that craving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the story um, is actually very similar to some things I've experienced in my life where... um, the protagonist's boyfriend is very committed to her staying very thin and encourages her to engage in these unhealthy behaviors, and that's actually directly from my life. Oh, my um, gosh. And so there are, and he was he was in the fashion industry. He was a model. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for him, being thin was, you know, the pinnacle of success right. for women. Right. And um, was very encouraging, and he knew I had an, an eating disorder and didn't want that to stop. That is crazy. And, yeah. yeah, and sim- similarly, similarly to Iris's experience and what we uh, and what I put into the film is that um, with addictions, and you, you are when you are surrounded by enablers who are part of your life, you you love them and they love you. In the, mm-hmm. you know, but it's a self-destructive and codependent love. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so one of the things that you need to be okay with when you want to get better is cutting those people out of your life. And that is yeah. a huge struggle. You have to be all right with being completely alone. Right. Yeah, at right. first. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, well, the theme of the show is get the funk out. So <laughs> when you're going through this awful, awful time, how, how did you find your way out into, you know, reality, into knowing this was not, this guy was bad for me and this is not healthy? Goodness, um, it took a lot of years of work, to be honest with you. Um, I had an eating disorder for over a decade, and um, it started when I was very young. I had a mother um, who was very concerned with being yeah. thin and um, was always extremely thin herself. And uh-huh. um, she and I, you know, we did a lot of work together. I think that helped a lot. She's 
she's my best friend now, even oh, though we, we used to, you know, fight like crazy when I was younger. But, um, yeah. you know, I think it took, I think with a lot of these disorders and addictions, um, it comes, you know, you can't do it by yourself. It takes healing on a, a grander scale. And um, within my family, it was, you know, my mom and I really healing together. That's good. Yeah. Um, and just really just being straight with myself about it. And um, denial is a really comfortable place to be. Right. Sometimes. Right. And um, I just had to get really honest with what I was doing yeah. with myself and sharing that with others. I think that was key as well. Just, It's not enough just to acknowledge it within yourself. You have to um, bring that to your community. And you know and, Go ahead. And that's something that um, Iris and I were talking about when I was first come thinking about this script. One of the things that I found so inspiring was um, the fact that she was putting her struggles out there in a social media forum um, and being so honest and open about it because there is so much shame and stigmatization surrounding these disorders. Um, And for Iris to come forward and bravely put a face and share her honest everyday issues with uh, a public and there being a space for that, I found so inspiring. And that was another reason that I wanted to move forward with this script. Well, and the other thing is, what I was thinking was, I had an issue with my mother, too, as far as eating, and she was very thin and controlling, and sent me to modeling school. They actually used to measure, like, every part of my body, like, oh, no, those thighs have to be an inch and a half thinner, and it was Mm -hmm. sick. It was totally (laughs) crazy, Uh, but at the time, I thought, oh, that's normal, but what's important is to break the pattern, so, you know, having kids, I'm a mom now, like, you, you you don't want to perpetuate that. You know. Yeah, absolutely not. That's crazy. And I do see a cultural yeah. shift happening. You know, I think um, as people like myself, I'm certainly not the only one, um, are coming out and and speaking and owning, mm-hmm. you know, their part in this whole sort of twisted <laughs> culture. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the more exposure that it gets, I think the more people will realize that it's not healthy and it's not... No. Um, something anyone should strive to attain. Well, when the you... silence is, is, where, um, is what leaves room for things like the pro-Anna subculture to breed. Mm-hmm. And even just in speaking about our film, we, with our cast and crew, it's where it started, um, more stories were coming forward, more people felt safe in sharing their own personal issues, male and female. Is it really prevalent with men? I mean, I wouldn't even think, I guess it is. I mean, you have all kinds yeah. of, you know... You'd be surprised. I mean, the statistics, I knows a bit more about this than I do, but the statistics are right now that there's uh, 10 million men diagnosed uh, with eating disorders in the United States, mm-hmm. um, and that's a significant number, but those are the men that are able to say that they are struggling with these things. Yes. Even just in speaking with our cast and crew, males along with the females were were sharing their stories one of our executive producers maurice hall was a was a professional football player Uh and even they um have disordered eating patterns we 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 wouldn't think necessarily that they are struggling with eating disorders because they're larger Uh but there is a disordered eating pattern that can um you know there's there's the male ideal of bulking up of being bigger Uh and that's another variation of the same issue oh it is i didn't know that yeah absolutely so it's um it's equally unhealthy it's an obsessiveness mm-hmm. and um a striving to a- achieve some 
societal goal or some societally societally based goal. It it definitely looks different on on its face, but um, men engage in all kinds of obsessive behaviors as well. Right. Um, mm. More and more and more because I think there is a lot of pressure on men these days to look like you know. Sure. Captain America, right. or the, <laughs> the cov- way that women are supposed right. to look like Barbie, you know. Yeah, the cover of GQ or the cover of Vogue, or you know, until we're all photoshopped yeah. to pieces. Was it difficult to delve deep into the pro Anna culture? I mean, you know, were people finding out and giving you flack for exposing this, or what was that? Like? Well, we moved we moved pretty quickly through pre production into filming, and so we weren't really public with with. Uh, what the film was going to be about or okay. or its story until the film was already made. Um, but we have actually, now that we have gone public, we've found a lot of great support on social media, on Instagram oh, wow. in particular. Um, and we have also um, found some people who follow and then quickly unfollow when mm-hmm. they realize what we are about. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we haven't really... Uh, received too much negativity. Good. Um, it's, it's been mostly support because of people who are also struggling with with body dysmorphia and disordered eating, wanting there to be more information about it. Um, so because they're in recovery, and so they want to share with others in recovery. So it's been mostly positive. Yeah. I will say that um, when I first began this campaign, it was earlier this year in February. Um, I was really stunned to see what exactly people were posting on Instagram. There are a lot of people who are posting positive content and recovery content. There are also a lot of people um, posting images of Mm self-harm, you know, girls carving, um, you know, fat into their thighs with knives and things and um, taking pictures of this. And it was very startling and in some cases triggering for me to see, you know, as somebody who's um, in recovery, I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're sort of always in recovery. Right. Um, you know, it can be challenging to see these very, very thin girls berating themselves for being too fat. Right. Um, but I'd say on on the whole, social media, particularly Instagram, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's actually a really beautiful community of support. Oh, that's great. Yeah. The comments and the notes become, it becomes a a team effort recovery on Instagram in particular. And I can imagine that this kind of project was, in a sense, cathartic and healing for you. In a way, I think um, Iris uh, will speak about her own own experience there, Mm -hmm. but I think um, it seems ridiculous on its surface that there could be this mentality, the pro anna mentality, because logically, it was well, counter to logic. Right. And so, um, speaking about it frankly and earnestly with the cast was the first step. Mm-hmm. And I think um, having to inspire empathy for those who aren't struggling mm-hmm. with this mm-hmm. with this world with these issues um, was the first moment of. Um, yeah, it was a catharsis right. in that going through the process of honesty and and real communication um, was new in yeah. a way for me. Sure, mm-hmm. Iris, yours. Pardon? What about you, Iris? And oh, yes. Yeah, so um, you know, starting this whole process, 
um, you know, it was a little terrifying at first, just being open and honest about my experiences. It wasn't, right. it wasn't something I did lightly, and um, it's not, it was something I've been putting off for a very long time, because there are those stigmas in place, and there are a lot of people who cast judgment um, that don't really know what it's actually like, and yes. they have their preconceived notions about it, and, right. you know, I was concerned that there would be some some pushback or some um, fallout. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been really inspiring to me to see, like, people are so great and open about it. And it's really altered my friendships and relationships with people. People now feel safe to come and talk to me about just about anything they're dealing with. That's great. And um, I think there is a movement toward authenticity, both you know, just with people in our lives, but also in social media. I think people are tired of seeing the whitewashed version of each other's lives on Facebook. And, you know, it's just not (laughs) realistic. I agree. Where has this film been shown? Uh, So far we've had screenings uh, with um, ALS, the the film festival in Monrovia, and we just screened with La Femme here in Beverly Hills. We have another screening coming up on November on Saturday, November thirteenth, at Culver City Studios, and that's with the LA Skin Fest. Um, that's a Native American group that uh, supports Indigenous and Native artists, and so we were invited to be part of that festival as well. We're really excited about that upcoming screening. Oh, great! And is there a mm-hmm. website for people that want more information? Definitely, our website is proannathefilm.com. Uh, we're also Pro Anna the Film on Instagram and on Facebook and Twitter. We're everywhere, but uh, <laughs> we have a we have a lot of news posting on our blog on Pro Anna the Film and links to all of our social media there. Now, yeah. let me ask you this heavy question: What advice will you give to people? Let's say a young girl comes up to you after seeing this film and she says, "You know, I what can I do? I I am sucked into this subculture." I'm going to let Iris take that one. Sure. Yeah. So um, what I always tell people, because I I do get asked these questions quite often, and um, I think a lot of people have this fantasy that they can deal with it by themselves. Right. That um, they can just not tell anybody and just, you know, kind of handle it Mm -hmm. under the table, so to speak. And what I always encourage people to do is to communicate with the people in their lives about it and to be prepared for right. some reactions because mm-hmm. people tend to react to these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, these issues only get bigger if you don't shed, shine some light on them. Sure. And so being in communication with the people in your life, yeah. seeking help from a professional going to support groups. Um, On my own personal website, I have links to books and resources that I, um, you know, courses, you know, health professionals that I lead people to. um, Excuse me, what is that website? What is that website? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's irismcalpin.com. It's um, I-R-I-S-M-C-A-L-P-I-N.com. Okay. And... um, I really, I don't think there's one size fits all approach for anyone. So what I really tell people is just to keep trying. You know, yeah. if one thing doesn't work, try something else. There right. are a million different resources out there that are available, and no one thing is going to work for everyone. So and perseverance. You, and, you, and yeah, go ahead. And if there, and if you've isolated yourself so much in, um, in your addiction that there isn't somebody in your life that you can speak to about it. 
safely, then um, these same there are some wonderful resources that have that we've been in contact with on social media, um, podcasts, and other websites that share information about where you can find these resources. Iris's own website, um, where we could point them to. I we because we are not you know uh, psychological professionals and we're not doctors. Sure. We wouldn't. We would be an ear and a shoulder to lean on mm-hmm. if they needed us. Yeah. Okay, but. But um, we would point them to uh, some more secure resources sure. that where exactly. they can actually receive the help that they need. Right. Precisely, I know. Yeah. I was going to say, because sometimes you can be in a relationship with somebody that you love and you just can't let go of, but it might be the worst possible person for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've and, certainly been there. <laughs> you know. and, uh, and, you know, and you need probably a professional con- to convince you of that, you know. Oh, definitely. I think that, I mean, an honest, objective professional is uh, is the perfect sounding board for getting a reality check on your issues. And whether you're ready to hear it or not is going to be a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, we have a few more minutes. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? You know, one thing I'm I'm really campaigning for, the reason why I did this, mm-hmm. and I, I touched on this a little bit before, but... Um, you know, it's sort of counter. I feel like we live in a paradoxical world where the things that we're most afraid of end up being the things that give us the most strength. And I think for a lot of people, um, speaking out openly, whether it's, you know, you don't have to do what I did and go on social media and tell the whole world. <laughs> but um, for a lot of people, the things that they hide in fear of, you know, coming off as weak or um, not good enough or less than, um you know, those are the things, like, being real about that and sharing those things with the people in your lives, with, right. you know, the, the grander human community, um, those are the things that have given me the most strength in my life. And um, it really wasn't until I came out <laughs> mm-hmm. with my struggles that um, I really felt like I had a strong handle on them. And so I think for anyone out there listening who's, who's dealing with something is just trying to sweep it under the rug. Um, you know, I think the more we can share ourselves with others, the, the stronger we get. Yes, yes. I fully agree. I was going to say it's the, uh, just sort of taking off of what Iris said, it's the fear that causes the paralysis, um, the yeah. fear of of self, the fear of honesty, the fear of being accepted, um, all of the, all of the things that can inspire us to stand still where we are and not see, and not move forward bravely into the unexpected and the, un, the unfamiliar. Yes. Um, familiarity is such a safe place, but it's if that if what you're familiar with is destructive, then you have to you have to change, and that's it, it takes a real moment of courage to make that change. Absolutely. I want to thank you so much. Could you just throw out your website one more time? Sure. The website is proannathefilm.com. Okay, great. Sean and Iris, thank you so much for calling in. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It was a great pleasure. talking to you. And I, so you're screening again November 13th. 13th. Saturday, November 13th. Great, mm-hmm. great. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Sean Catherine Kane and uh, Iris McKelpin joining us to talk about their film Pro Anna, which just made its debut in Los Angeles at the 11th Annual La Femme International Film Festival. If you missed any part of today's show, it will be up on my show blog within an hour or so. 
And the blog is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. I'm going to take a short break, and then I'll be back. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.